0: Welcome to the High Frequency Females, where empowerment meets inspiration. I'm Tiana Walker, your host and guide on this transformative journey. Get ready to raise higher as we connect with extraordinary women and human beings who have shattered barriers and achieved remarkable success. Through heartfelt discussions on self-love, mindset and personal growth, we'll ignite your inner fire and unleash your limitless potential this podcast is your sanctuary, a vibrant community where you can learn, grow and be authentically you. Together, we'll create high frequency vibrations that resonate throughout our lives, sparking joy, passion and positive change. Join us on this exhilarating adventure of empowerment. Let's raise our vibration, celebrate our strengths and inspire a brighter future. Welcome to the High Frequency Females where we transform lives one uplifting conversation at a time. This episode is brought to you by Kuss Culture, an Australian hair care business that has been making waves since its establishment in 2017 by owner and founder Cassie Marcus. With her own gorgeous luscious locks as a canvas, Cassie has spent years experimenting to find the perfect ingredients for her hair. This passion has led her to create her own line of hair care products, carefully crafted with the ideal blend of ingredients. What sets Kuz Culture apart is their commitment to ethical practices. They are proud to offer vegan and cruelty-free products, ensuring that no harm is done to animals in the process. Manufactured in a certified organic factory right here in Queensland, Australia, you can trust that Kuz Culture prioritises quality and sustainability. Cassie, along with her skilled chemist, personally formulates each product, guaranteeing that only the best ingredients make it into their range with kus culture you can have the confidence in the effectiveness and safety of the products you use this culture's mission goes beyond just providing exceptional hair care they aim to empower people across australia and the world to embrace hair confidence imagine experiencing that amazing hair day feeling every single day with kus culture it is possible Now, my favorite product this week definitely is the 2-in-1 Kuss Spritz. It has been formulated to both be a detangler as well as protect your hair. This unique multitasker will detangle nasty knots for its easy combing and brushing. It will also protect hair up to 230 degrees Celsius from heat damage caused by styling tools, blow drying, as well as the harsh UV rays. Now, I can verify this product does work. I actually use this one every single day. And what actually got me hooked is Cassie did this experiment on a piece of bread and she did half of a piece of bread where she sprayed the spritz and the only bits that got burnt on that piece of bread when put in the toaster was a bit set when sprayed and I just thought oh my god I have to try this and definitely definitely works I can just feel my hair straightener glide straight over my hair with such ease and I just my hair feels amazing afterwards but what I really love most is my hair is crazy when I wake up and it is naughty it's a situation (laughs) but this spray 100% just helps me glide that brush right through so join the Cous Culture movement today and unlock the potential of your hair. Visit their website at coosculture.com to explore their range of premium hair care products. Elevate your hair care routine and discover that confidence that comes with beautiful, healthy hair. Joining us today is Josh Solomon, an exceptional coach and passionate host of his own podcast, Roadmap to Right Now. With an unwavering commitment to transformation, Josh has conquered adversity that would daunt the strongest of souls. From overcoming PTSD, ADHD and high-functioning autism to triumphing over abuse and dyslexia, he has emerged a beacon of inspiration. But Josh's journey doesn't stop there. Fueling his mission with an insatiable thirst for knowledge, he delves into the realms of psychology, behavioural science, quantum physics, epigenetics and biology. Armed with this profound understanding, he empowers individuals to break free from limitations and unlock their true potential. In this electrifying episode, we delve deep into the transformative power of the king and queen archetypes. Josh shares empowering insights in how these archetypes can awaken our inner strength, wisdom and leadership qualities. By embodying the essence of these archetypes, we tap into our own greatness, unleashing a life of purpose and boundless fulfillment. Get ready to be inspired, challenged and empowered as we embark on this awe-inspiring conversation with the incredible Josh Solomon. Stay tuned for this episode that will ignite your spirit and unleash your true potential. Hello Josh, thank you for joining
1: me. No worries, thank you so much for having me. I feel honoured to be a part of your community and even more honoured to be on this podcast.
0: Now I have to confess you're the first male on the High Frequency Females podcast. How does that make you feel? (laughs)
1: <laughs> pretty special to be honest I can talk with a high-pitched voice if you want yeah whatever uh, <laughs> makes you
0: shine that's absolutely fine <laughs> yeah all
1: right I'm pretty tapped into my to my feminine energy so I feel I feel pretty comfortable I mean, most of my clients are females so this is a natural space for me
0: amazing and now you're doing so much on social media that you know so many people are really tapping into you do lives on so many different platforms such as Facebook TikTok Even Instagram, you've got so much knowledge out there. So it just captivates a full range of different people from females, males, and you're doing a lot of stuff for the government. Is that right? Helping people in the service industry, such as like ambulance officers and stuff I saw you do recently?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with, I'm not working with, but I've just been engaged by Buddy Up Australia, which is a ex-veterans and first responders group. And what they do is they help veterans and first responders who have left the military left the services recalibrate back into life they do hikes they do different events for them all those sort of things and they were i felt honored they asked me to sunshine coast a couple of days ago and give a motivational speech just have a bit of a conversation with their leadership team which was which was pretty phenomenal so i'm not working for the government specifically but i've got these people reaching out and and asking me to speak to their leaders it was a phenomenal feeling. Yeah,
0: amazing. And just so the listeners know who you are, tell us a bit about mm. yourself and how did you get to this coaching space?
1: Uh, I'm Josh. I'm 37. I like red wine, long walks on the beach. <laughs> it reminds <laughs> me of back in and the tell day. Tell me, I'm pretty. Well, you
0: know, back in the day when you had like MSN chat and it's like age, sex, yeah. education.
1: <laughs> Oh my God, MSN. Holy hell. That yeah. was the OG. That was the OG messenger chat back in the day.
0: Oh, uh, Definitely. A new, and when you were going through emo moments, you'd put song lyrics on <laughs> and shit like that.
1: <laughs> Did you have an emo phase too?
0: Slightly, slightly. Yeah. yeah I, was I dyed
1: like... my hair blue, black, wore like skin black jeans. Like it was, it was horrendous. I'm glad that no one who knew me back then knows me now.
0: Great. <laughs> right. yes. so, so where uh, are you at now?
1: well now I'm I think the the first and and I feel the most important thing for people to know about me is that I, I love my kids mm-hmm. more than anything my two boys the the greatest thing about me is the fact that I am a father and I have the ability to to guide and nurture two young boys to become young men and and eventually lead on the legacy of what it is that we're creating here you know and and by we I mean parents in general you know I think it's a I think it's a gift so the most important thing to know about me is that other than that I'm a veteran I Spent five years with the Australian Army, served in Afghanistan in 2013, picked up some injuries, physical and psychological while I was over there. And that led to the, I guess, the the chunk and the the biggest piece of the puzzle as to how I'm now sitting here as a a, a coach, as a speaker, as a facilitator, as a, a man, amazingly humbled by the gifts of life, but still enough ego to enjoy the shit out of it. You know? (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I studied a lot of of different, I guess, modalities and things to, to help overcome my own PTSD. I had a really, really bad struggle with PTSD when I first got back from my time in Afghanistan. I used some pretty unhealthy escape mechanisms, you know, prescription drugs, party drugs, everything I could, women, whatever I could to try and escape my own hell. And eventually got to a point where nothing was really working. I had a I had a suicide attempt at the end of 2017 when I just couldn't take it anymore. And post that I started to, I started to rebuild my life. I started to rebuild myself. And so I studied, I first studied neuroscience to try and understand what the hell was happening within my brain. How was this crazy experience of PTSD happening? And then that led me to studying psychology. So I could start to understand my own brain or understand my mind, find out what's happening there. And then from there, it was a three year rabbit hole of psychology, behavioral science. NLP, quantum physics, epigenetics, spirituality, anything I could to try and understand myself. And along the way, I I realized that what I had discovered was not just a gift for me to overcome my own trauma, but it was a gift for the world. Everyone had to know how to overcome this, how to take control of their mind, how their brain works, how their body works. So I reached out to a, a coaching school and made a decision to become a life coach. And that was it from there it was it's been a two-year build a crazy build first year was a massive struggle just doing solo (laughs) me having no idea what i'm doing and just trying to start a business that was fun i think i made about eighty-four thousand dollars in my first year and i'm now in my second year have a team of six we've just ticked over 280k we've got our own 10-week personal development program which is an awesome life facilitated program and it's led me to a wonderful spaces like this, to, to having the eyes of you on, on what it is that I'm doing and, and now being asked to, to guest on your podcast. This is phenomenal.
0: And that's incredible. Just that life story. I know you had your downs, mm. but I truly believe that the universe delivers you essentially a gift, even though in the mm. time it might not feel a gift, but to be able to help the universe and the world, you have to overcome those, you know, things yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you have to overcome you. Like that's that's the biggest, I guess, the biggest pain and the biggest gift of life is is overcoming and understanding yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. <clears> throat> oh, throat> I've got goosebumps just in that story <laughs> and how you created this world for yourself, mm-hmm. and essentially mm-hmm. then a world for your sons. Your reason why?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's been the understanding of myself and how I was conditioned and programming, and the the deep dives into my own inner child work when. There's a lot of stuff to go into in my inner child work. The The greatest gift for that has been connecting with my kids on a level that I never could before, you know, and, and now my inner child gets so excited when I go and play with my kids and it's like I revert back to my, you know, 4 to 12-year-old self and just get to re-experience life as a child while playing with my children. It's fucking phenomenal. Amazing.
0: Oh, mm. You're just warming my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... There's so much on your social media about archetypes. And, you know, as someone that loves anything like Enneagram, astrology, mm. anything like that. And I know we chatted, chatted about it last week. Mm. And there was something that I needed to say to you. And it was a light bulb moment. And it's all about surrender. And I'm sure Josh mm. is going to explain that to us shortly about the queen archetype and how mm. to surrender or submit. I got caught up in the word. I think mm. that's what it was. And it was almost like, huh, I've got to reassess this word. I need to come up with a different word to understand. And I think it was the loss of power for me, <clears> and but it wasn't anything about power.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I resonate with that. And I'm sure you're not the only queen out there who has had that that same thing you know when i when i speak about this quite often and use the word submit i just see so many so many powerful women go whoop the wall goes up like no not listen to this man how dare he but uh, i'm glad you took some time to investigate that and there's a there's a reason i use that word submit you know And, and i think to fully understand what what i'm talking about when i say that and i'll say this now and i'll reiterate it again towards the end is the most the most powerful thing a queen can do, a woman can do, is submit her power because the most powerful thing in the world is a woman who knows herself, uh, and that's a bit of a "oh, what the hell is he talking about?" kind of statement. Uh, and I think to fully to fully understand it, you really have to understand the both the shadow and the divine side, or the shadow and the light side of all of the archetypes. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the, the the twelve major archetypes, but the hundreds of different sub archetypes that come off the back of it. And the the greatest way to sort of boil it all down into a short, easy-to-understand sentence is that the shadow side of all the archetypes, whether it's the feminine archetype or the masculine archetype, the shadow side of that is all about what can I get? What can I receive? What can I take? And the divine side of that, the light side of that, is what can I offer? What can I give? How can I submit the most powerful thing within me to help the world around me to be their support hold and guide the world around me Mm -hmm. so the the queen archetype and i love that this is where you've gone because my brain's just like god there's so much to say right now josh chill breathe
0: no just get it out
1: just put it out there as women
0: we want to know everything
1: (laughs) (laughs) so if it's cool what i'll do is i'll I'll speak about the king and the queen archetype in the in the relationship sense because i I truly believe from out Throughout my own journey and also the the women that I work with, my own partner, and also the the numerous female clients that I work with, that's always the most interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously there's the lover, the magician, the huntress, warrior, preacher, archetype, inner child, all those different ones. But it's the the shadow and the light side of how the king and the queen archetypes interact together mm-hmm. that seems to create the most, I guess, interest within. Within women. And I can tell by the way that you're nodding, you're like, yes, just get into it, Josh. (laughs) I'm
0: excited.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. So I could I could tell when I the first time that I met you that you reside probably predominantly in both your queen and warrior or your queen and huntress archetypes. Mm -hmm. You know, and you you have that I'm gonna fight for you thing. You have that energy about you that says, and this is the warrior, the huntress coming out on you, that says, I will fight no matter what. And if there's a cause that I believe in or someone that I believe in or an injustice happening in the world around me, I will fight. I will lay down on the sword to protect the people or the ideals that I care about. Warrior through and through, it's oozing out of you. It's a bloody phenomenal.
0: I feel like I'm ready to fight now. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. I can see it within you now. And this is a, Oh, what an archetype, what an ability, what a persona, whatever you want to call it, to have inside of you. And when that shines through from the divine side, from the light side, from a person who's done a lot of work, this this will take over the world. You know, this this will help the queen archetype build her empire. It's that fight, that grit, that grunt, that don't get in my way because I've got a mission. I'm going to accomplish that mission energy. And you see it in the most powerful women in the world, this, sh- this divine side of the warrior or huntress archetype, powerful stuff. And then you see the shadow side of it. Now, I'm trying to choose my language carefully here. You
0: won't be offended. Okay?
1: Because you might not be offended, but there might be some people out there <laughs> listening to this. So how do I say this? Mm.
0: she's a bitch no
1: <laughs> yeah okay cool now that you've said it <laughs> have you ever seen those people and i'm not going to specify to women here because it's men as well who just go off and fight at anything yeah it's like you know you looked at me the wrong way i'm gonna fight you rah 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 or they just go off and it's like swear this f this see that you dumb dog this and be and b and it's like oh my god what the hell is wrong with that person yeah. well that right there is a prime example of the same archetype the warrior or the huntress however That's the shadow side of the archetype. Another way to speak about the shadow side is the ego. You know, when it's all about protecting and fighting for some bullshit identity that your ego has created, some made up reality that isn't real, but just makes you feel nice and cushy to live in because up here, all the problems belong to everyone else and fuck them. You know, I'm going to fight you for it. That's the shadow side of the huntress or the shadow side of the warrior. So, can you see the difference between the same warrior archetype, but where is it coming from?
0: Well, how do you get that balance?
1: Well, I mean, do a lot of work. Come and join my 10-week program. We'll plug that a little bit later.
0: (laughs) Because, when you say that, you know, I am very much, you know, I'll fight for what I need but I'm not a very much person that's like, fuck you because if someone offends me, I'm thinking that's a you problem, not me. Like that's got nothing to do with me. I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm not going to be rude to you because I know that's you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you right. have the ability to have discernment there mm-hmm. and you can pick and choose when this archetype comes out to play. People who are stuck in, and it's usually in trauma responses. Like I'm not going to come down and say people who go off their nut are just crazy because I mean, I, I've been there before. You know, I've had a lifetime of trauma. I, my, my birth father put a dog collar around myself and my sister's neck when I was one and a half years old and drive us around the house or lead us around the house like dogs. Now, I was a child of a very wounded parental guidance system. So I had, you know, all of the reasons to be going off in my unhealthy warrior archetype. And I spent a couple of years in my 20s doing that, you know, but the the person who has that, I guess, lack of discernment that you're displaying and that you have is the kind of person that's just stuck in that threat response. Everything is a threat. And in that stance, in that moment, the the ego, it, it enacts, it fires up the warrior archetype literally because everything is a threat. And, and that would actually be a really hard space to live in mentally, to be in a space where every single time someone looks at you or says something, or you think that someone over off on the other side of town is talking about you, it enacts that response and you fire up and your brain produces cortisol and adrenaline and all of a sudden fight this fight, that, that would be so draining. I have so much compassion for that experience because I've been in that experience before. But it's a prime example of how the shadow side of the archetypes, whatever they may be, is always there to fight for and protect you. It's always about who do I have to fight to keep me safe? Who do I have to protect to keep me safe? And in actual fact, the the me quotation marks that it's keeping safe is the first time that the me ever felt fear, ever felt in danger. And when did that happen?
0: Well, childhood, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our
1: childhood, yeah. Yeah. So we get stuck in that threat response as a child. Yeah. And the powerful emotional experience is so much that our ego creates a program or develops an archetype to protect the inner child from ever feeling that pain. Yeah. So much so that it will fight even the slightest perceived threat outside of that person to protect the scared, wounded inner child that sits inside. So again, like understanding that when you see someone going off their rocker, when someone comes down on you or starts that fight, that power struggle, just recognize that that power struggle is a way for them to protect a hurt that's so deep that their ego won't allow them to face it. So much so that they will blame you and offload all of that responsibility of the entirety of the pain that that child carries so that it's your problem, it's not the problem or the fault of the inner child. Wild.
0: I know, I'm just, I can't even... (laughs) formulate words to that
1: yeah yeah and that's that's a great example of how the shadow aspects of our archetype are all about what can i give what can i protect Mm -hmm. okay this is mine don't go there girlfriend all right now the queen archetype oh this is this is the most powerful archetype there is from a man or a woman It, it doesn't matter you know man woman we're not going get to get into, get into a gender debate here. I'm just going to use those terms. If you're triggered by it, you're welcome. I've just shown you a part of you that isn't yet healed. Time to do some work. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the queen archetype is the most powerful of all archetypes. And that's because the strongest, the strongest thing that exists on the face of this planet, the strongest living thing is a woman who knows herself, mm-hmm. right? is, a, is a female embodying her queen archetype. And there's so many reasons why this is true. You know, and I'm a I'm a firm believer that the most powerful thing in the world is a woman who has the grounded and safe container held for her by a grounded man. Mm -hmm. But when we think about this, like who can create life in the world? A woman. The only thing. It doesn't matter what species you are. The only thing that can create life is a woman. Women are quite literally a portal for life. Mm -hmm. They're the only thing in the world that can generate human life inside of them. That right there is. Fucking powerful Mm -hmm. it is powerful all right and when you think about how many successful brilliant men there have been in the world what's the old saying behind every strong man is a strong woman strong woman behind every successful man is a strong woman but why is that what why is that it's a really interesting question isn't it Mm -hmm. because women be like that's right we don't need no man we got this but how often do you stop and think why
0: I think it's, it's, you've really stumped me. I don't, maybe because there's something so powerful in the feminine energy of that, Mm. what you said previously about feminine is that giving and nurturing and support. I don't know. I've just got so much stuff running through my head. (laughs) You've stumped me.
1: Good. (laughs) (laughs) now we can get to work so i I love that you've touched on the the feminine and masculine energies right there because because that's that's exactly the way it is yeah you know the most powerful energy that anyone can embody man or woman is their feminine energy Mm -hmm. okay because the masculine energy can get shit done Mm -hmm. but the feminine energy inspires creation Mm -hmm. the only thing in this world that can create life is is the woman is the feminine energy so the most powerful man in the world, and, and I, I'm not saying I'm the most powerful man in the world, but I'm very, very balanced in my masculine and feminine because Spent It's been a long time understanding all of the different parts of myself and, and really doing a lot of work on the mother wound and all those other things that sit down, sit down inside of me. But even me embodying the fullest of my strength and the most balanced version of myself, me in the most perfect balance of let's just say 75% masculine and 25% feminine, whatever my permanent or most powerful balance may be, I am nothing, absolutely nothing compared to the power of a feminine energy fully able to embody herself, okay? And there's a reason why, sorry, the reason why the saying behind every successful man is a strong woman or a powerful woman is true is... What makes a man amazingly successful? The, the top 1% men in the world.
0: I don't know. You tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's unworthiness. Mm. It's unworthiness. Mm, yeah. Okay. Because in order to get to the very, very top, and I'm not just talking about success within finances, okay? Because it's one thing, I mean, one thing to be a billionaire or a millionaire. I'm talking about the 1% who are successful across every single area of their life. They are conscious fathers. They are powerful men within the realms of their chosen field. They have amazing relationships with their family. They have a powerful queen by their side. What makes them the, uh, able to be in that energy and to hold that energy is feeling unworthy of that energy. Because in the space of unworthiness, we try to become worthy. Mm-hmm. Once we become worthy, the drive to keep going, it kind of stops. Mm-hmm. The drive to give stops because we all of a sudden are worthy of all that we receive. And the, the this is why the woman comes into it. The most powerful thing behind a man or sorry, the, mo- the thing behind a successful man is a powerful woman. The very thing that makes... That 1%, that masculine energy, that king energy, feel unworthy. The very thing that makes him feel unworthy is a queen willing to submit her power to him. A queen will make a king feel unworthy, and in that space of unworthiness, he will forever strive to become worthy. The queen energy, the queen archetype, that feminine energy embodied in its fullness, a fully healed and revealed feminine energy is so beautiful and so powerful that the masculine energy feels unworthy in its presence. And for this woman who's embodying her queen to know that she is the most powerful creature in the world and be willing to submit that power to her king is the very act that makes him unworthy, and the very act that will have him striving every single day to be the best father, the best provider, the best protector, the most grounded that he can be, the most humble and forgiving man on the planet. He cannot be that unless she is that, and that's the beautiful dance between the king and the queen archonite when when both male and, and female, or masculine and feminine energies are awake and are conscious, when they find each other, look out world.
0: So what does a queen, when she submits or surrenders her power Mm. to her king, what does that look like in Mm. everyday life? Mm. Because I was thinking about this, and this is what for myself in my relationship that I like with Justin, we've been together nine years this year mm. and what that looks like. And mm. I'm like, surrender, surrender. And I guess mm. it's for me and what, and this is what I was struggling with last night until I thought, hang on a second. It's, and it is, it's like a dance of being able to say when needed is having that open communication and saying, Oh, I want to give, I want to help you be the best version of yourself. I don't know, I could be completely wrong too. But it's Mm. also, you know, when we are struggling, take a step back and think, hang on a second, he's probably struggling too, how can I help him? And Mm. even when we're in arguments or fight, it's like, hang on, we're not fighting each other, we're fighting a problem. Yeah. And surrendering and not getting letting my ego get in the way of being right, but hang on a second, step back. If I say that, that's not very nice. It's not going to help the situation. How are we going to tackle this together? And let my ego drop and then I'm like, okay, we're fighting this together. How can we overcome this together? Is that what you're talking about? Uh,
1: Not quite, but that right there is a blueprint to a healthy relationship. And if every single one of your listeners can take on board just what you said, then they've got gold out of this podcast episode. Because understanding that it's not me versus him, the problem, and stepping back from the egoic nature to protect and recognizing that in that moment, your warrior archetype has come out to fight for an expectation or an ideal that you have created in your mind. And because the ideal or the expectation that you've created in your mind isn't matching up with your experience of reality, it causes that frustration. Frustration causes discomfort. The warrior will come out and fight against the discomfort. Okay. So so understanding that is definitely the blueprint to a healthy relationship. And if everyone can do that, loving, long, happy relationships, they fucking will follow. But submission is a little bit different. Okay. And and this is why I love people asking this question, because I get to explain the difference between submitting and things like surrendering. And and usually when I say submit, what's what's the first thing that you think about? If I was to tell you to submit, what happens?
0: Well, as a woman in you, this de- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in this life that we live right now. You know, it's when we don't live in the 40s and 50s anymore. So to mm. they're bad words for us as women to hear. It's drilled yeah. in our head to not submit, don't surrender, do not allow the patriarch to define yes. us. So those words can be triggering, especially for, yeah. for the younger generations because they're taught no.
1: Yeah, 100%. And and I, I I'm, once again, I'm, I'm loving the direction that you're taking this. If... The intention is in your relationship. And this is where we can focus on intention versus attention. So what are we giving attention to versus what in the what is the intention to this? And if you have a look at the, as you were saying, like the patriarchy and no, 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 we don't have to submit to the man, you know, what the intention behind that statement is, is that the, or sorry, what the attention on that statement is that the intention of the male patriarchy is to diminish and to demeanor. So when you focus on the attention of the word submit, rather than the intention of the moment, of course, that's what you're going to come to. And we're, you know, we're ego level, surface level creatures. Our ego has the first bite of the cherry. Every bit of information that we protest, ego has got to have a bite first. Is this a threat? Do I need to protect? Hang on a sec, submit? No, no, no. I'm not submitting to you. You don't have that over me. But what if that wasn't it? What if the act of submission wasn't to allow someone to have that over you, but the simple act of empowering your king to step into his king energy, empowering your man to feel strong within himself, knowing that in that moment, he's got to play the role. He's got to be the protector and the provider. What if it wasn't this big, crazy social construct to make women feel small? What if it was as simple as you knowing that you can achieve something, but submitting that power, And instead asking your partner for help, knowing that he is going to feel empowered and embodied as a man to provide help and to protect maybe the woman that he loves. Mm. By you submitting the need to control that situation, you inspire your man to step into his strongest energy, his king archetype. And in that very moment, he becomes unworthy. Remember, the unworthiness is what will drive his worthiness. So him knowing you that, hang on a sec, she probably can do this, but instead she's choosing to ask for my help. That means that she values me as a man. And in this particular moment, she's choosing to allow me to have control of this situation. She's choosing to allow me to step up and to prove myself that I can protect her, that I can provide for her, that I can cook for her, that I can fix this tire for her, even though she might be able to do it herself.
0: Well, then I I surrender all the time then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but what is your intention? Do you do it because it's like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Hey, babe. Or do you do it because, hang on a sec, I know that he's actually genuinely going to like this. Do you often submit your power to allow your man to step into his king energy?
0: Yeah, because I know how to open. I can open a jar. I just get a knife and pop it, but I'll walk over. Can you open this for me?
1: Yeah, yeah, perfect example of submission.
0: Yeah, now he's going to listen to this and he's like, fuck that bitch, I'm not opening a jar anymore. (laughs) She can do it herself.
1: (laughs) Josh, I need to watch you more, mate. You're teaching me all the tricks that Tiana's got out there. (laughs) Yeah, well, that there, yeah, I mean, and in that moment, do you feel like the patriarchy is coming down? Do you feel like you need to defend yourself, no. or is that you going, "Oh, babe, can you do this for me?" And Then watching his muscles flex as he pops open the jar.
0: Yeah, I get a perv at the same time. <laughs> exactly
1: right. So, so my question is, is is submission this terrible thing?
0: No, I guess not. You really define those words in a different way, and yeah. I guess like when I even looked it up, it's the sur- surrender of a powerful force, and it was very negative.
1: Right. I think
0: you it's need to re- you need to rewrite those words. Have a jockey dictionary.
1: <laughs> I'm down for that. We'll let Oxford know that I'm available. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah, incredible.
0: Yeah. And I like how you say that. And you didn't say it in tonight's episode, but last week you told me that each archetype lives within you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's already it's already deep within us. Every single archetype is already inside of us and different experiences of life will enact or call upon, create the opportunities, should I say, for us to bring these different archetypes out. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's one that triggers people quite a lot as well, and that's, that's the sex goddess, the sex goddess archetype. There's many women who embody this archetype left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. And there's so many women who are just like, nope, shutting that bad boy off. Sexy time is not for me. Mm-hmm. This, this archetype, these, these primal archetypes live within us. And that's because they're just at their primal. They're of natural order. Every single human being that is born into this world is born with the capabilities to step into and achieve whatever life is required by any different archetype. Your babies are actually born in the world not knowing what they are not capable of, which means they are capable of everything. And the only limitations that is placed upon the infant is the limitations that is placed upon them from their environment, from their parents. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't get me wrong, it's a big thing. I limit my children from crossing the road without looking both ways because I don't want them to get hurt. But what I'm actually doing is instilling a program called self-doubt to make them doubt their ability to cross the road. Mm -hmm. Same with when my, my son was young and he was trying to touch the oven. I was like, no, no, don't touch that. That's hot. That's hot. What I was doing was keeping him safe. But internally, within his psychology, what I was doing was instilling fear into his mind and creating the space for him to doubt his ability to move through a certain experience. But that's a rabbit hole for another time.
0: <laughs> I know. I was just like, what do you do? Let them burn and You know if they burn themselves, it's not going to happen. But you know you'll have child protective services. Exactly <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. we got to protect them, right? That, that's a rabbit hole for another time. But where I was going with that is, is the... As a baby is born into this world, we're only born with three fears, okay? And that's the fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, and the fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And when those three fears aren't being experienced by a child, a child is invincible. Mm -hmm. This is why a child will just walk off towards the edge of a table or, like me, when I was young, put plastic bags around my arm and try to parachute off the roof. I believed that I was invincible. And in those moments, I was embodying different and young and emerging aspects of all of my different archetypes, Mm -hmm. all of my different archetypes. My youngest child, Zadie, for example, he pretty much lives in his fucking warrior. All right. He is a little fighter, not physically, but he will fight against what he believes to be injustice. And for him, anything other than chicken nuggets for dinner is a fucking injustice. So every single night is a battle almost. You know, when he wants to do something, he will stand up and he will let you know, dad, this is what I want to do. I am doing this. And if you fight me, I'm going to take you head on. That's him and his warrior energy fighting for what he believes to be real. And it's my job as a parent to to recognize that and not come down on him and punish him for fighting for what he believes to be right, but recognizing that inside of him is a great fighter, is a warrior, is a leader, is someone who is willing to stand up for what he believes and with the right guidance, if he believes in things like love, human connection, family, discipline, honesty, and integrity, he's going to grow up intrinsically fighting for those values. I didn't teach him to be a warrior. That's inside of him already. He's also got a great caretaker in him. When his brother gets hurt, oh my God, he will run over there and like, Eli, are you okay, buddy? What do you need? Do you want me to get dad? Do you want me to get you an ice pack? He's got this little caretaker in him. I didn't teach him to do that. That is his natural primal archetypes that are waiting for the right experience of life to trigger their awakening. And when we as parents start to recognize all these different archetypes within, first within ourselves, because if we can't see it within ourselves, we can't see it anywhere else. But if we can recognize that within ourselves, do the fucking work, go on a journey of personal discovery, do a program, read a fucking book, reach out to a coach, and discover those parts of you, and then recognize them in your children, You can create this this life, this container, where the truest version of your child is the truest version of them, based on their archetypes. Notice if they're a little energy ball that they love having, notice the little mischievous nature of their jester archetype, their joker archetype, where they're always scaring you and jumping out from around the cupboard. That's saying that a primal archetype in that moment, a powerful archetype for them is the joker, the jester, who just wants to make everyone laugh, who just wants to have fun. Notice the innocent child archetype when they feel scared, when they're too scared to go into the room because the light is dark, the room is dark. And rather than coming down on them for having a fear that they don't understand, recognize that that's the innocent child, the, the deepest and purest archetype of them all inside of that waiting for you to be nurtured, to be cared for. And that's an opportunity for you to recognize that my child is in a state right now. And that's an opportunity for me to tap into the archetype that would best suit the archetype or the fear of that child. We can bring the mother archetype, the father archetype, get down and say, hey, son, it's okay. Let's turn on the lights. We'll go on there and read a book together. These archetypes exist within all of us. Learn about them. Pay attention to them once you have the ability to see them and control them, there is quite literally no limitations to what you can do with your life. The only limitation is your imagination.
0: Amazing. And just how you wrap that up, especially, you know, as that that darkness and that light and that nurturing, you mm. know, that is something that people deal with, whether they're a child or an adult, emotional or not emotional. Yeah. You know, there's so much within that. So with that all said, and the clients that you deal with, the coaches that you coach, mm. what is something that's constantly coming up for people? Is there a common theme within this world?
1: Mm. I think there's a, there's a massive, massive theme in the world right now that comes down to the shadow aspects of the archetypes, you know, the, the protection Because the the shadow aspect of the archetype will always try and protect the self, will always try and protect the person. And the divine side of the archetype will always try and give as much of the person to the world from a very conscious position, a very conscious position. And there's a difference between giving yourself consciously and unconsciously people-pleasing because you were taught... You weren't taught how to set healthy boundaries, and that your examples of love and life shown to you, maybe by your parents, by teachers, by whatever, were that I need to constantly abandon myself to give love to everyone else to make everyone happy in order to have a sense of self-worth. You know, that's a very, very common one out there that people are like, oh, but I give so much, I must be in my light side. It's like, no, honey, you just haven't done the work yet, and you're self-abandoning left, right, and center. But I think what we see so much in in social media, and and I'm gonna take this down a slightly controversial road, if that's okay with that's you. Fine. All right, maybe a bit dangerous in my early career. <laughs> if you don't see me in a year's yeah. time, you know why. <laughs> yeah. But the the it's the shadow aspects of these archetypes that are creating so much disconnection between groups of people, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I mean identities of people. And there's there's far, you know, like people who are really extreme on both ends of the scale. And to use a, I guess, an example that's really really common is the gender debate, you know, and, and there's people that are so amazingly protective that there are more than two genders and that they will fight tooth and nail, literally physically fight to defend that ideal. And then there's people on the other side who say that there's only two genders and they will fight and, and enact and throw hate. And there's so much shame and hatred and guilt. There's podcasts out there where the whole idea of the podcast is to get people with an opposing view onto your podcast so you can belittle them and then get more views to like... That's just pure hate, it's pure distrust, it's pure what the hell. It's trying to get someone else to see something from your point of view, which is actually literally impossible to do, or it's trying to make someone look stupid to benefit your own ideologies. There's so much of that out there on, on TikTok and in the world of podcasts and social media. But that's a prime example of the shadow side of the archetypes. You know, people believing that their ideals are so right, that unconsciously these different archetypes come out at different stages all with a a bullshit view, you know, and you see it with the queen archetype. I'm a 10, I'm a queen, my man got to be 6'3", he got to have this, he got to have all that money, he got to let me go out and party with the girls all night long because I'm a queen. It's like, well, no, you're embodying half of your queen. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in your shadow aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's because you haven't yet realized that the light, the, the divine light is not a thing that comes from the outside world. The divine side of all of us, of all of our archetypes, is that light that shines from within. And the only way to get there is to face all of the things that your shadow archetypes are out there fighting against. They're shields out here to protect you. But what they don't realize is that the way to to move through life, to grow, to love, to learn, is to remove the shield, grab that lens, face it in, and fucking take that bullet because that sucks. Sucks when you notice how much of a piece of shit you've been for so very, very long. It's the only way through. Yeah. It's the only way through. And when you do that and you take that journey, when you find a, a coach that you resonate with or someone to follow or something, something bigger than you to follow and to try and achieve and become, then the light shines. You get to notice those different shadow aspects of yourself and give them the only thing that they ever needed, the only thing they ever needed from the first time those shadow archetypes were created as a child and different experiences. And that thing is your love and your acceptance. And people that are willing to take that journey, you notice them, you walk past them like, man, like, wow, that person is grounded. Good, the way they show up, their energy. Oh, I just want to be around them. I don't even know why. Powerful people.
0: I just even the passion that you exude is so contagious. I literally want to do so much more work on myself and I think all of us need to do always continuously work on ourselves. Mm. And how can our listeners today better their life right now?
1: Mm, mm. Give yourself a big hug. i love this question it's so amazingly loaded but the the greatest thing that you can do is practice Mm self-compassion you know and and i'd say before you go into battle and and when when people start to face themselves for the first time it's literally that it's facing yourself it's battling yourself you recognize something or you hear the voice in your head that's telling you one thing and it could be throwing hate or throwing shame or that self-judgy bitch that inner critic Mm -hmm. I'd say when that when you start to really wake up to it, the, the hardest time on your journey is the first six months when that inner critic is just pounding you, judging you, throwing back, bringing back all those memories from the different experiences and different things that you've done, and that that doubt, that deep doubt and depression that can come from that. The greatest thing that you can do is practice self-compassion. right. Compassion is like it's like this big. Cushy bubble between you and your experience of you. All right, we're gonna get some pretty deep matrix level inception stuff here. But a great way to to a great there's many different philosophers or, or great great minds that you can follow, the likes of Alan Watts, Mahatma Gandhi, and all these amazing philosophical people, they have some of the most beautiful perceptions and understanding of life. You know, things like the such basic yet broad spiritual teachings, like we are one from the Buddhists who teach that every single person is interconnected. And that when I'm looking at you, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at a mirror reflection of me. And all of the things I see within you are things that I see within myself. So the things I see within you I don't like are things that I don't like about myself. The things that I see within you and respect and want to achieve are the things that I can experience within myself. And when you look at someone and feel absolutely no emotional connection whatsoever, then what that means is there is none of you reflected in that person. Okay, which is a great sign. It means you're growing. But the way to do that is to, to understand, to get to that space of compassion and, and drown out some of that inner critic, that inner judgy bitch, as I call it, is to remember one simple truth of the human condition, fundamental truth. And that truth is quite simply, you have thoughts, you are not your thoughts. Okay, I can think to myself, I'm a piece of shit, I'm a piece of shit, I'm a piece of shit all day long. I can think to myself, I'm a chocolate cake, I'm a chocolate cake, I'm a chocolate cake all day long. Both of those things are just thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the way that they become true is by me believing in them. But both of them are nothing more than a sound, a vibrational frequency between clusters of neurons within your brain that create a synaptic connection and then vibrate at a certain frequency and send that frequency out into the ether for us to then receive thoughts that match back or what we call thoughts that match that same frequency. But you're not the thinker of your thoughts. You just listen to them and your life will be a direct reflection of the thoughts you tune into the thoughts that you choose to listen to. So having that compassion is recognizing that if I'm having a horrendous thought, like a thought of self doubt, that thought is there for one of two reasons. It's either wanting to be healed or wanting to teach me a lesson. But when I'm stuck and I use this example a lot, when I don't recognize that I am the th- I'm just listening to my thoughts, when I believe that I am my, my, I am my thoughts, I experience the shit out of them. And if my thoughts are all self-doubt and hatred and whatever it might be and self-judgment, then I experience this world from here and my shadow archetypes are protecting, looking out there going, where's the fucking threat? But having that compassion, creating that space, recognizing that you're not your thoughts, is bringing that book down and being able to listen to them and read them and go, holy shit! From here, the light side of my archetypes can step in and do what they're always designed to do, and that's keep me safe. That's love me. Mm-hmm. Practicing self-compassion every single day by looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, "I fucking love you, man. I love you, bitch. Yeah. Let's fucking get this done today. Yeah. Let's hit some sas today. Let's kick some goals. Let's connect." Let's reach out, but more importantly, let's do this together. Yeah.
0: And I love that compassion. And that, again, goes back to that growth mindset about mm. learning. It's happening for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and curiosity is it? an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like you, curiosity is probably the greatest tool with compassion.
0: Yeah, and, mm. and you said it so beautifully of that the person that sits across from you is a mirror and quite regularly and almost every day when I'm triggered I'm like why is this triggering me what about the situation or is this person is that mirror of what I have to learn
1: yeah exactly and, right and, yeah and
0: it's like a light bulb once you start on that thought pattern you're fucking invincible
1: a hundred percent yeah yeah and if you add sprinkle a little bit of gratitude into the mix you're good to go
0: yeah all
1: right okay all right so how can I be grateful for this person triggering me that's like fuck because yeah. you can't be frustrated, you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. It's it's physical impossibility for your brain to produce those two neurochemical signatures at the same time. Yeah. So I feel like mid getting triggers like, oh, fucking Jesus Christ, okay, how can I be grateful for this? All of a sudden, your brain goes, all right, let's shut down everything that we know. Let's shut down access to the unconscious mind and memories mm-hmm. because none of that's going to fucking make me grateful. And instead, let's activate the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex, and try and create some new synaptic connections with some complex reasoning and logical thinking and find a way that I can be grateful. And when you find that reason, when you're on the search to gratitude, and when you find that reason, your brain produces this beautiful, juicy neurochemical cocktail. And gratitude is one of the most powerful states that we can be in. In a, in a state of gratitude, receivership, true gratitude, our brain's producing oxytocin, which is our love chemical, our bonding agent. We produce nitric oxide, vasodilator, expands the walls of your blood vessels, which allows more blood to pump up into your brain, so you can process more moments of gratitude. We then produce serotonin, our mood stabilizer, makes us feel good. Endorphins, our natural pain reliever, so all those little niggling injuries, we stop feeling pain. And then finally, dopamine, the strongest neurochemical we can produce. So simply by asking yourself mid-trigger, saying, hang on a sec, this person's triggering right now, so I understand that triggers are a window into an unhealed and unresolved emotion. Okay, John, you're triggering me. I want to say thank you for showing me this opportunity, and I'm just going to take a moment here to find out what this means to me and find out why and where this is related to my past. And most importantly, I'm going to find a reason to be grateful for it. And all of a sudden... In the search, you find the memory, you then apply gratitude to the memory, you then rebrand the original memory and dissolve the trigger. Now, John can no longer trigger you about this particular thing. He can probably trigger you about a bunch of other things. But again, that's a reason for you to be grateful, do the work and find that moment inside of you.
0: And gratitude is actually one practice that I do every single day. And I do it twice a day. It's when I wake up in the morning, and that's mm. with purest love and gratitude for the things without letting it be surface. But sometimes you have to be. When you are struggling, you sometimes have to yeah. be. It has to be. Yeah. But to go deeper in the morning, it just sets my day so perfectly. And I do notice the huge difference that I get on the days that I don't practice gratitude.
1: Yeah, 100%, yeah. And and some people, I mean, some people, the surface is all they can get to. Maybe that's where they're living at the moment. You know, no Mm -hmm. comparison. I think another massive thing where people go wrong is they compare themselves to other people on a personal development journey. 100%. But it's called personal development. It's your own experience of life, right? Like no one's ever had the same experiences as you. Mm -hmm. And every single person attaches a different meaning to every single experience based off the majority of their life's experiences. So like comparisons a killer and if all you can do is be grateful that the sun is shining and if all you can be doing is be grateful that you've got socks to put on your feet that day, well then start there.
0: Yeah, because there's days start that there. is my darkest moment that I'm just being grateful for being able to have a roof over my head or, or you know, I've yeah. got fresh drinking water, the basic necessities for you to live.
1: Yeah, And there's yeah. one thing
0: that it's like journaling. You know, some people are yeah. oh, journaling, it's beginner. But for myself, that I get so trapped as a person with ADHD, it's sometimes really hard for me to verbalise what I need to say. So yes. I, I actually – and I used to judge myself can, like when I was younger that it's like, oh, I need it to be perfect. I need to write it to be perfect. Then I'm like, no, no one's going to fucking read this. Sometimes I write words. Sometimes I draw pictures. It's my own message, my own thing to yeah. pour my heart out, to pour my feelings, to just release.
1: Uh, yeah, to express, right? Like express whatever needs to be expressed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and what, what's the opposite of expression? It's suppression.
0: Exactly. And what
1: does suppression lead to? The suppression pres- leads to depression. Pr-
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> Literally,
1: Yeah. Yeah, so express yourself, sister. Go for it. <laughs> yeah,
0: <you are>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with your life and where you are now, where do you mm-hmm. think your life and where your next healing and growth comes from? Where are oh. you heading towards?
1: I think my my next stages of growth for me are going to be completely blind. So I've recently done both an ayahuasca journey and a psilocybin journey, both really spiritual healing and cleansing practices. The ayahuasca journey journey showed me about unconditional love. It, it helped me overcome a, a spiritual tie I had to a past lover. And that showed me a space of of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the way it showed me it was to show me the pain that I that I was experiencing. So thank you, ayahuasca. You're a gem. I listen to you every day. And the other experience was quite recently, actually, it was a couple of weeks ago, where I did an inner child healing session on on a psilocybin, which was oh, that was rough. Yeah. But I'm here, I'm alive. So when it comes down to what's my next area of growth, I'm actually blind to it. And this is why I'm so glad that I have a powerful queen that has inserted herself in my life in the best of ways. Because I know that just within the proximity of her her energy, in that space of feeling so unworthy due to her immense power and just the, the, the phenomenal human being that she is. It'll be in that space of unworthiness and me striving to become the best version of myself every single day that my next challenge and area for growth will present itself.
0: That's so powerful. I fucking love that. That's Mm. incredible. (laughs) She's going to love hearing that too. (laughs) Yeah, and by what are the feels? When you express that, how does that feel both from a physical Mm. and an emotional?
1: It makes me feel a combination of euphoric and grounded. Euphoric in the fact that I know it's going to yield an amazing, an amazing moment of growth, a pivotal moment, a defining moment within my life, but grounded because I've, I'm beyond the stage of searching for things to fix. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's one of those things where it's going to come when it's going to come, and when it does, whatever it is, is going to be an amazingly profound experience. But I'm not, I'm not seeking it anymore. You know, I've done a lot of the deep healing work, and now what I've noticed is when it comes to myself and doing this work on myself it's so much it's so much more subtle now Mm -hmm. and it'll be a thought or an emotional something that I'll just notice and because I've been doing this work for so long now you know especially internal family systems work which is probably the the core of what I do part is parts work I feel a lot of that stuff happening in the background anyway and I notice myself I notice a thought pop in then all of a sudden I'll notice my my shadows and my archetypes and my parts start doing the work in the background and then I'll just get hit with this Massive rush of gratitude and like today on the on the drive to the beach to read Think and Go Rich again, on the way to the beach, I just had this massive rush of euphoria and gratitude, for just just for life, just for for my for my kids, the people I've surrounded myself with, the fact that I have a car to drop all these amazing things, and I, I started tearing up. And in that moment, I knew that my my shadows and my light, my unconscious self, had just healed a part of itself and had then connected the amazing life that I live now to an experience in my life that I may not have been that grateful for. And it's like, well, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't be here. And I notice all of this work happening very subtly in the background. And the gift of that is moments of just pure elation, pure ecstasy, pure euphoria.
0: Beautiful. So I know that my listeners here today are really going to want to tap into you what you've got to offer. So sell yourself. You've got so much, <laughs> and, and I could say that in a negative way, but you know, you're so powerful and I shouldn't say selling, but what are you offering mm. to this universe? Mm. Because mm. I know just by listening to you online, I'm even learning different ways and I love education. So tapping yeah. into you is just like a world blown for me.
1: Yeah. well, Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm receiving that with so much gratitude right now. Well, if people want to reach out to me, I mean, I'll drop my socials. I think for you to be able to share, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, I'm in the process almost two years in. So I'm in the process of really growing and expanding social media. But the core of what I offer is a 10-week personal development program called Project Phoenix. And it's heavy on three pillars. And that is investigation, integration, and inspiration. So in the investigation stage of my program, what we do is we, we really teach our clients the core of what's already happening within their life. Mm -hmm. And this is why, I mean, I've done so many different personal development programs and I did them with a specific intention of finding out what they do well and what they don't do well and creating, I mean, my unapologetic goal is to have the number one personal development program in the world. That is my completely unapologetic, audacious goal. And I'm going to achieve it. I've got a team of people who believe in me believe in this program and are helping me evolve it into something massive and amazing. So, The pillar, the the first pillar of what we do is, is very much conscious education. So we teach people what's already happening within their life. Like how is their mind creating perceptions of reality? You know, how is their body metabolizing the neurochemical signatures of the brain when they get into a state of doubt or fear or have a specific thought? So we teach people what's already happening within their mind, their brain and their body every single day. And the reason that this is so powerful is we're not introducing new concepts. I'm not teaching people this crazy six-step, follow my six-step plan to success and you'll be able to manifest, well, eh, fuck that. I'm just teaching you what's already happening within your life and doing it in a way that you feel empowered to integrate all of those experiences into who you are and then have the tools and the knowledge and the systems of how you operate, how your mind, brain and body operate so that way you can go, okay, well, if I want to achieve X, Y, Z, I know I'm going to face these three fears or face these things, cool. When that comes up, I'm equipped, I understand what's happening within my mind I understand that this trigger is linked to this experience and I know how to transmute it and integrate it and turn it into a strength to then help me overcome whatever the obstacle that is in front of me, so I can achieve whatever greatness I want to achieve in my life. From there, we focus heavily on inspiration, which is probably my favorite part of the program, the back end of the program. And what we're doing in in essence, and this happens quite naturally, actually, we don't teach people this. Once you show someone how they have been operating unconsciously and then empower them to create conscious change and do their own healing, completely independent of needing me or any of my coaching stuff, they become their own inspiration. I'm going to say that again. They become the very thing that inspires them. Now, you want to talk about unstoppable. You want to talk about unstoppable? Be the thing that inspires you. Holy shit. Good luck anything or anyone slowing you down. And then from there, we teach quantum physics and we have a look at how is this universe created? How does energy create energy? How does matter create matter? This wonderful, wonderful quantum physics experience. And then from that stage, I think by that stage, we're at week eight of the program. The very last week is manifestation and design your purpose, all right? So what a lot of other personal development programs do is week one, what are your, what's your vision? What's your values? How the fuck are you supposed to know that on week one of a transformational program? Fucking not going to go onto this trigger. but So we don't even touch that. We do not touch vision values anything until we've shown you exactly how you've created this life, empowered you with all of the tools, education, until you've become the most inspiring person that you know. And then from that point, from that point, then we go into, okay, now that you are the strongest and best version of yourself, and you see that you are completely limitless and that nothing can stand in your way. Now let's design your ideal life. Okay, now let's look at your purpose and mission. Now, what are your values? And then from there, we teach people this amazing framework of manifestation that literally has people leaving our program, quitting their matrix level jobs, starting businesses. One of the my clients now, who's now a part of my team, and in fact, everyone who works on my team was once one of my clients. She, by week three of the program last time, she quit, quit two of her jobs that she wasn't liking. She now started started and running her own full-time corporate cleaning company. She's also started two businesses on the side that are her passion, that are hustle, and she's working towards fully systemizing and operating her cleaning business so she can focus on these two passions, these two different businesses that she has started. And all of that's happened off the back of everything I've just explained there. You know, when, when a person becomes their own inspiration and they know how to get out of their own way, that person becomes unstoppable.
0: Amazing. So I'm gonna have all of your links in our show notes. So jump down there. You can also, what is your handle on Instagram?
1: Josh Solomon Coach. You can find me, find me on Instagram. Please help my social feed grow. Rach, the woman who I was just talking about, she's taken over my social media. So it looks really pretty and scroll back a few months, you'll see where I was doing it, not my passion project. So please, please jump on, like some of my content, share some of my content. I would love for for this level of communication to, you know, to really get out there to more people. And at the end of the day, whether people come and sign on and do this deep dive with me or whether or not they're just inspired by my content, as long as people are feeling better about themselves from being in my world, that's really all I can hope for.
0: Yeah. And you offer so much for free as well. And you are adding so much to the community, this mm. self-development community. That. And I think that's so important. Not only do you you know, receive, but you give tenfold
1: Mm, That's the secret to the universe, right?
0: Exactly. (laughs) You
1: don't get what you want, you you get what you are.
0: (laughs) I love that. Say that again.
1: (laughs) The secret of the universe. You don't get what you want, you get what you are.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining me today. And I can't wait for the listeners to tap into you.
1: (laughs) No worries. Thanks, Tiana. I really appreciate you. Cheers.